Welcome to the Ember Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today as we gather together to wrestle with the ways that these ancient texts collide with our everyday lives as 21st century people. Using art, music, and the world around us as our guide, we hope to breathe new life into these texts and that our conversations spark as much curiosity and creativity for you as they do for us. Hi, I'm Jeremy Grafe, and I'm one of the leaders at Ember Faith Community. Hi, I'm Allison Spooner, and I'm the pastor at Faith Emmanuel and Hope Presbyterian Churches. Hi, I'm Kelsey Wallace, and I'm a PhD candidate at Drew University. For this season of the Ember Podcast, we're talking about the book of Revelation. Whether you're a Christian or not, we hope you'll join us in exploring how the apocalyptic poetry in the book of Revelation challenges power structures, helps us to look at the way we use power, and invites us to resist oppression. This is especially relevant for Christians who are called to witness to God's grace, but we hope the Ember Podcast can help spark meaningful conversations for people who have other beliefs as well. Thanks for tuning in. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years, and threw him into the pit, and locked and sealed it over him, so that he would deceive the nations no more, until the thousand years were ended. After that he must be let out for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and those seated on them were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony to Jesus and for the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. So welcome to the podcast. This week we are in Revelation chapter 20, and this is basically the denouement. This is the moment where everything kind of comes to a head, and the final endings of endings are happening before the remakings, and we'll get into a little bit of that later. But right up at the top, we have um, intimations of judgment, and um, that's really hard for a lot of us to hear. I think last week we talked a little bit about how most of us have an image of Jesus that is more like um, Kevin Smith's Buddy Christ than it is the kind of avenging, wrathful, judging Jesus that we see in a lot of Revelation. So we wonder, though, if that's maybe not an invitation to think about God's provision rather than, you know, just the judgment. So I think you had some really good thoughts about that, Kelsey. Yeah, I really think the that bit about being judged according to your works is kind of icky and gets um, kind of highlighted as like the thing that happens in Revelation. Like when people talk about Revelation, they think of judgment usually um, and kind of like apocalyptic like undoings, which that's certainly happening uh, kind of as we've seen this whole time. But to me, the way I understand this kind of big picture salvation thing that's happening is that yeah, you might be judged according to your works, but I really believe that God provides 
all the means of salvation to those whom follow him. I mean, um, that's a very reformed perspective just to kind of be frank about it. But I think that it's really, it really matters to me that that's the case because I really believe from my own personal kind of interior experience of life and from what I've seen and the way I've seen God move around me that it's, if it was up to me, whether I was saved or not, if it was up to what I did or didn't do in this world, then I am doomed. (laughs) Um, and I think that pretty much most of us would be, um, but there's something powerful in the fact that when it comes time for judgment, that God's hands are all over it and it's not for us to do. Like even the saints in this chapter, they show up, but they witness, they don't do anything because this redemption thing, this transformation thing, this salvation thing, it's not for us to do. Yeah, I think there's a an interesting thought about how so much of our impact on the world is not necessarily stuff that we plan to do to impact the world or that we are capable. It's not related to our talent necessary, necessarily, um, but sort of an odd way that events unfold in such a way that just sends things out through the world. And I think that, that to me, it speaks to God's provision of you know, we can, we are not powerful enough to mess this thing up so bad that God can't um, fix it. There's a deep measure of comfort in the idea that no matter how badly kind of we mess up our own lives or kind of influence our own spheres of it, like of relationships in both positive and negative ways that God's work in the world is not up to how good we are or aren't. (laughs) And I think that relates to what we see the saints do in this chapter. They don't come and like bravely save the day. They just, they show up and God does the work. Well, I mean, when we say that God does the work though, it's not so much that we're expecting something miraculous and kind of God working off screen makes everything right. I mean, it is important for the saints to at least show up, right? Like we show up, we witness to um, God's majesty, we witness to the transformation that we've experienced in our own life. But yeah, it's it's not up to us to finish things. A favorite phrase of ours is that the kingdom of God is already and not yet, and we live in this already and not yet. And I think this chapter speaks to that in in a really profound way. Like, um, things are happening on Earth, obviously, before this point, up to this point, destruction has happened. But there's, it's not that there's been no good that's come before this moment. And there's not that there's been no inauguration of kind of redemption and the new heaven and new Earth. I mean, that comes with Christ. And then... And as followers of the Lamb, we witness to and partake in kind of this creation of the kingdom by the way that we live, by our own witness in our own space and time. But this is like the fullness of what God's kingdom will become is what we're getting to in the next two chapters. And um, that's the moment when the already and not yet becomes the now. So um, this is also the chapter that... uh, Jeremy used the word denouement, but it's really like the culmination of this whole destruction sequence. So 
there's we've been having a really positive conversation about God's provision and grace, but there's also a lot of ugliness that's happening here. Um, we get this ca- character of the devil that gets locked away and then let out. Uh, we get the thousand years ending, um, fire consuming things and the heaven and earth running away. So, um, this is co- sort of the culmination and the the most extreme unmaking that we see. Well, heaven and earth running away. That there's there's a merism in that. The idea of like all things are encompassed. Like everything's gone. There's n- literally nothing left. Right. And it's only at that point that the dead start to be resurrected, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's, we talked a lot about dream logic at the beginning um, of the of the podcast season about in Revelation about you know time's kind of fluid, it's not stable, images aren't quite you know you can't really quite render the scenes in Revelation, um, and this is one of those kind of weird moments where heaven and earth have completely fled, and then the seas give up their dead. And yeah. so if heaven and earth have completely fled, like where are these seas? I don't know. And where are they giving them up to? Right, like into the void like what i mean the throne exists obviously kind of in perpetuity across space and time um right but this is the moment like heaven and earth are gone there is like creation is undone there things are not the way they were at all but that seems to have to happen for we get to the end of this chapter and death and hades are thrown into the lake of fire and burned up. So, you know, we, we've we talked about this as a cosmic view of the gospel, and here we see sort of the death of death, um, death itself. So it's almost like all of this destruction uh, is leading towards, well, it's not as if, it really is. It The destruction is leading towards something more positive. I mean, like, like the resurrection of christ and the gospels you have to die to be resurrected um and there and there's not that's not without pain and without ugliness and i think it's fitting kind of at the moment this moment just before we get this beautiful vision of what you know life is going to be at its most ultimate um we get this kind of like utter destruction like nothing is left and that death has to die for that to happen So along this same line of God's provision, there's also this verse kind of snuck in there at the end in verse 15 that says, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And that's kind of icky. It really is. <laughs> I, I'm always struck. We, we always start to giggle or laugh when it's something really awful, which so, it sounds bad, but I think it's just making us nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a reason why we find so many people find the movie Deadpool funny. Mm. I mean, it's really grim and it's really dark and it's horrifically violent, but these are all things about human nature that make us uncomfortable. And that's usually where that humor can find its anchor. And I think this is one of those moments in those verses that reminds me of what faith really is. I mean, I spend a lot of time, we all kind of spend a lot of time in study, kind of pulling this apart, looking at languages, treating it like literature, which it is. But it's also this sacred text of our faith that 
um, that is meant to kind of guide the faithful. And there's a way in which these most painful moments are the moments where I feel like trusting God is kind of the only thing that you can do and trusting in the revelation of who God is in this text and who God has revealed God's self to be in our lives that when you bump up against this I have to believe that like we said before kind of God's got it and God will provide for those whom God loves and that's arguably all of us. (laughs) In our own lives there's a lot of things that we hang on to There are a lot of patterns of behaviors that we might continue to exhibit. What parts of ourselves need to die off in order for us to become wholly new creations? As we work through this text, we want to make sure that we are also in conversation with you, our listeners. So we invite you to reach out to us with questions, comments, and we'll be addressing these as we go on in subsequent podcasts. You can send your questions to emberfaithcommunity at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. The Ember Podcast is a production of Ember Faith Community. Your hosts are Jeremy Grafe, Allison Spooner, and Kelsey Wallace. Music written and performed by Subaltern Project. All rights reserved, 2017. Welcome to the podcast. So for 22... 21! Try that again. This time with a feeling. (laughs)